Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. This um, episode, we are recording with three other people. So, this is um, our biggest recording ever. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. Um, hopefully, we'll get along fine without any technical glitches. So, um, yeah, I thought just... you meant like we'll get along fine and get on well. I was like, I'm well, sure. Hopefully, we won't fall out <laughs> for like an hour. I'm sure we'll all be fine. We'll be fine. So here with us in our virtual studio, we have got Natalie, Polly and Vicky. So Natalie, do you want to start us off with why you're here and also why you brought the girls with you? So I'm Natalie Sutherland. I'm a partner at Burgess Me. We're a family law firm and Vicky and Polly are my colleagues here. And um, it all really started with the fertility officer role that um, we started last year. And that also came from an article that my friend Samaya had shared and then I shared it with the firm and it was all about fertility benefits and how that, you know, is going to help women and things like that. But I replied to her to say, well, that's all very well and good, but um, I think we need a more open culture. We need women in you know, working environments to feel safe and supported when they're trying for a baby yeah. rather than feeling like it's going to be career suicide. So I shared the article with the firm and both Vicky and Polly independently emailed me, thanking me to, for sending the article, that it was really interesting for them. And they both thought that perhaps they might have their own facility issues. And of course, I had no idea about this. And I was really, I was really privileged actually for them to confide in me because I'm mm. a partner and it's not something you would normally share. It's very personal, but I really sort of took that on board. And we were, we had a partners meeting and, and I shared this again, confidentially saying that, you know, these, these are um, potential issues that, you know, our staff are going to face. And I also shared my own miscarriage story. So I'd had a missed miscarriage, which I discovered at 12 weeks. Um, and I had lots of issues with the management of that to the point where I was hemorrhaging so much that they thought they were going to lose me on the table. So, oh, um, so that was, um, that was horrific. It was like, probably four years ago to the month almost so so having my own experience 
I shared that with my partners. And, you know, knowing that I had two genius sisters that I worked with that perhaps were going to have their own fertility issues, I'd said, well, I really want us to change our culture. I was new to the firm and I'd sort of been there a year and we were all at home. So, mm-hmm. you know, with lockdown and everything, but we were starting to come back into the office and knowing that there were potentially going to be these issues, we had this discussion with the partners. And something like this really does need to come from the top down. You need to be able to, lead by example and provide that support from the top so that anyone else is going to use it use that support um can feel comfortable doing so and um but I didn't really have the words I wasn't quite sure how to do it and it was Pete and Antonia that said well why don't you be our fertility officer which is something that hadn't crossed my mind but we did have a well-being officer wellness officer Kirsty Morris my partner and that was set in place when we were going through lockdown because obviously everyone's working from home and we want to make sure they were all looked after so it kind of felt like a natural step to have this you know fertility officer role and then um so that was you know uh, announced to the firm and I we'd um, announced it in this infertility in the city events that we ran um, myself and Samaya in the December and um, so that was the sort of support I was able to offer in-house obviously then the press picked up on it and uh, there was lots of um, yeah press press coverage in February and I got to go women's hour which is very exciting mm-hmm. and you know and this this whole conversation has exploded which has been fantastic yeah. but what's also happened of course is that my two lovely colleagues here have had to use this fertility officer role and the policies that um we put in place so um so that's why I wanted to bring them on and they are they are really keen to share their stories oh Natalie that's it's amazing it must have felt really quite scary the first time that you spoke about it because like mm. you said like the, the the fear of career suicide um yeah how, how how was that and what was it that that eventually made you say no right I, I need to be the person to do this I need to need to start talking about this well, I'm a fairly open person anyway. So, um, and it's a, you know, it's a gory story that, um, that I've almost kind of, and I'm, I'm sure both of you, um, can appreciate this. It's so emotional that you mm. kind of just want to, I, I mean, for a long time, I put it into a box and did not want to think about it. Yeah. And then the, the longer it was sort of went on. And then because I, you know, joined this firm and I felt a very kind of maternal, you know, way for my colleagues, they're all women. And, um, and that just, how it is in family law as it, as it just happens mm. and um but I can see myself in them like 10 years ago and I wanted there to be um just a better environment for them going through this trying for a baby now when I had my daughter I actually was able to conceive naturally um first time and it all went really really well but it's my second pregnancy that um that did not end well and I've not been able to have another one since mm. so I'm you know I'm 43 now <laughs> and um, I'm not sure, you know, that's, that's, that's going to happen for me, but, but these guys, you know, they're at the early careers and, um, but also want to be mothers yeah. and, and I wanted them to not fear that the two are incompatible. Yeah. Oh, well done. If mm. only more, more people, more companies were as sort of forward thinking as you. I think, I think what you say, Natalie, is so right in that when you go through these experiences, they are so much worse than you thought that they were before you went through them. You know, they you hear about them and you assume it's just an experience that you crack on with. And certainly from, from you know, personally, 
it took me out. It completely took mm. me out. And similarly to you, I found out on my 12 week scan that, that my baby had died. And having experienced that pain with relatively like nowhere to go, no one to talk to, I didn't want that for anyone that came along next. And I think as humans, like we really try to make things better, don't we, for other people yeah. going forward. And it's so interesting that all these people that we t- talk to are trying to do the same. And if enough of us can, then we are going to make a positive change for the experience of others because this this is not something that's going anywhere. So instead of shying away for it and pretending it's not going to happen thousands of times a day or a week, you know, onwards, we may as well face the fact that it will, but make that experience a little less dark for, for those going through it. And like you, I had no idea about the prevalence of miscarriage until it happened to me. Mm. And when I shared about it online, so many, I had lots of supportive comments, but I was really surprised that all my friends had been through it. Mm. I had no idea because they hadn't shared. And um, and again, like Ubex, um, knowing that there were so many other people going through it, but not talking about it, why weren't we talking about it? So I feel very strongly that by speaking up and sharing our experiences, we build that sort of community and then we make it better for everyone else. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. Polly, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about your experiences yes, and how course. you've benefited from having the support at work? Oh, definitely. Um, so firstly, I've always had suspected endometriosis. Mm. I've had exceptionally painful periods from the age of 14 I've had three ambulances but I've probably begged for many more over the course of of the time and then in December 2020 my me and my partner decided to postpone our wedding for obvious reasons COVID (laughs) the C word (laughs) yeah and um you know naively thought I would just come off the pill and pop out a baby and yeah. have the wedding next year and you know then I'll be less upset about postponing the wedding and it'll all be fine and that's what when, happens isn't it that's what happens off, off the pill that, when you have a baby that's, that's what happened for my best friend who was in exactly the same boat and after oh. three months she called me to say she was pregnant and at oh. that three month stage I hadn't even had a period oh. yeah and I think it's it's like it's it's literally mad we post about this quite a lot how foolish you feel when you've been through the mill and you look back and you think I can't believe the first time we had sex after ditching the contraception we lay and looked at each other and went oh maybe there's a baby in there <laughs> I've just put a baby <laughs> inside you best not have a glass of wine now because oh. I'm pregnant yeah. <laughs> exactly like in that two weeks after you've after you've had sex and you're like oh Oh yeah, no, no, I won't have that. I won't have that prawn, thanks. Yeah, and then of course you get pregnant, and you assume that you're having a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then, for the next, so that that was March. My my period still haven't came came back, and I you know I googled it. Can I just ask you a quick question about the endometriosis? Because mm-hmm. it can take years for people to get a diagnosis, can't it? Yeah, like there's a a lot of talk about how bloody difficult it is um did you have any sort of investigations over the years yep I've had um laparoscopy colonoscopies I've had several scans and it's I've still not actually diagnosed so it's just put down as suspected endometriosis I have have any treatment for that if it's just suspected so the treatment is to take the pill which then has caused me other issues because now I'm off the pill, I've now realised I have these AWOL periods. So Mm. I'm not sure if this is a new problem or something that's been masked for years (laughs) by taking the pill. 
Um, so I called the doctor after three months because that's what Google said, you know, after three months, contact your doctor. And she actually said, I'm so sorry. I'm going to go have to wait, go away and do some research because I don't feel like I've helped you today. And I'm like, mm, no, you haven't. Well, I mean, that's honest that's at least. Better, yeah. Yeah, that's better than just trying to fob you off with yeah. some, some shitty advice. Yeah, true. Yeah, not true. Helpful Doesn't leave you with much faith though, does it? No, no. And then you know, I've heard that it takes a year for your periods. If you're after a year, that's when you can then go back to the doctor for help. So it got to about six or seven months. And I thought I'm, I've had one or two periods probably in this time. So I decided to change tact and say, I'd like to reopen the investigation for my endometriosis because I was meant to have another laparoscopy a couple of years ago that I canceled for whatever reasons. And that got the kind of got the ball rolling again. And I had more blood tests and tests and I had to wait six months I think it was for the specialist appointment at the hospital and I had the internal scan and she said very quickly you have polycystic ovaries and I've been categorically told I don't have this before so it was it was a total shock and if if she confirmed endometriosis I wouldn't have been sad Mm. but I was sort of blindsided by this and then it took me you know another month of more blood tests to confirm the diagnosis so now I'm on the the road of having fertility treatment because of this diagnosis um obviously friends are dropping pregnancies left right and center which does Mm. not help and then my wedding was on the 18th of june and six days before my wedding i found out i was pregnant and then three days before my wedding i had a miscarriage so i had a tight white dress and i had to ditch the skimpy knickers that went underneath and get big white pants and a big sanitary towel which you can see in every photo Oh, <laughs> and you know I was I don't even remember socializing with my guests because I was running around trying to find a sanitary towel um yeah so that was you know oh. that's the first thing people ask me like how was your wedding I was like yeah I had a miscarriage and I just can't put that out of my mind now which no. is so sad can you just, on that like can you do are you planning to do another celebration and do it you know, well, again on a lesser scale, or or and wear the dress again, and that sort of thing, or probably not. I think I need to just at one point make peace with that's what happened, mm. and I guess it's even escalated from that point because. So, so I I had the two blood tests following um, in between the when I found when I started bleeding I was in loads and loads of pain and I had to go to the EPU I had a scan I was giving a leaflet and I was told that you're either too early to see the pregnancy or you're having a miscarriage or the least likely option is you're having an ectopic pregnancy I had the two blood tests and my hormone level came down and they just sent me on my merry way you're having a miscarriage you just need to bleed it out and it'll be fine um me and my husband went to Mallorca for four days after the wedding and there was a window about a day or two I stopped bleeding we had sex again then we then I carried on I started to bleed again and then I had an appointment with my fertility doctor when I got home who congratulated me on being pregnant because Mm. she heard that part of the news from the hospital but not the miscarriage part and then I explained to her that I'm still bleeding and I'm still testing positive she was like, okay, you need to come back in. So about four weeks worth of more mm. scans, more blood tests. I think there was one week at work. And this is why you have to have this open conversation because out of five working days, I had to go to the hospital for four days. Mm. So I just don't understand how you could 
try and conceal that. Yeah, how could you do that without the support of colleagues? Crazy. I don't know. You'd, You'd have be to have going off migraines or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it turns out I actually was having an ectopic pregnancy, and then it was located in my left tube after four. Mate, you scans. went to Mallorca for four days with an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. Yep. And oh, I that's had, so dangerous. I know, I know. And I was just told to go home and you'll all be fine. And even in the ectopic wow. pregnancy, I felt that I was still told to go home and we're just going to do the conservative management, which is actually really hard to sit at your desk and try and concentrate on, you know, drafting a, a document when you're thinking, is my fallopian tube going to explode any minute? Mm. <laughs> it's quite a, you know, a hard thing to Even deal with. Even after they discovered that it was a, a ectopic, they still, they didn't like whip you in right there and then. And no, no. they told so me to go home. With, with an ectopic pregnancy, there are, there are three routes of management and whatever one they choose, it's dependent on the size of the pregnancy and also your hormone levels. So if the size is small enough and the hormone levels are dropping, they can get away with the conservative management. Yeah. But I feel you, Polly, because I had one of those and it was eight weeks of toing and froing. And and you can't move on. You can't draw no. a line. You're just sort of in this fog all of that time. And, you, and you're just carrying on with life and trying to yeah. work. And it's so yeah. difficult. I also, the reason I mentioned why we, we did have sex in Mallorca was because then, because my hormone levels were increasing, but not at the rate of... A, a good pregnancy it was floated that perhaps I'm pregnant again oh. so then I was going to these scans thinking please don't have an ectopic please say actually there is a pregnancy again again yay yeah and so then just being told again no you're not pregnant still can't find the ectopic it was actually only in the last the last scan that I pushed for that they found it and it it was it was small and my hormone uh, level was quite low so I think that's why they were confident that it would be fine I had the choice of having surgery but I didn't want to lose my Mm. fallopian tube with this polycystic ovary um syndrome diagnosis and suspected endometriosis you know it's it's a numbers game and I thought I just don't want to lose Mm. my fallopian tube and so then it then all all gets worse because then the day the EPU called me to say your pregnancy hormone is finally coming down I came back into the office and I was like, this is good news. For the first time in six weeks, I've had some good news. And then I get a call from my dad to say, my mum is now poorly. So I'm now dealing with a very difficult situation of, you know, maybe my mum now won't meet meet my babies if I ever have babies. So very difficult situation. This grief is like, it's, it's crazy to think that the world can't stop and let you get on get on with with the management of one problem at a time and you just think how is that fair how is it fair that I've got to deal with polycystic ovary syndrome suspected endometriosis I've now lost a baby you know ectopic as well getting your mind around that as you say it's really difficult being having all that I remember seeing a positive pregnancy test after I'd had the miscarriage and like three weeks had gone by it was such a head fuck because it's the one thing like you prayed for mm. and then actually it's the one thing that you really don't want like that's the jumble of that and then to have that awful news about the health of your mum on top of that must have just been I mean how did how did you cope <laughs> I don't know if I am <laughs> it's a it's a it's a so it's so tough 
Is this um, a recent thing for you, Polly? Yeah. So this this happened on the twelfth, the, the day I got the call from the EPU, and the day I found out that my mum has an incurable brain tumor is on the twelfth of July. So I'm just dealing with all of that. Polly, hmm. I'm so sorry. But it is, you know, it's amazing to have a supportive Natalie and um, Antonia, one of the founding partners of the firm too, have just been an incredible support and totally get it and understand that I'm having a shit time right now. Mm. And Um, obviously that that support, I mean, it's all, it's great. Having the support of your friends and family is wonderful, but you spend most of your time at work, don't mm, you? So although I think there is an argument for being able to go to work, get your head down, and um, distract is that the right word distract that that is a word yeah it's a word (laughs) distract yourself from something I think there is a place for that but when you're going through something so big Mm. you can't distract yourself can there is no amount of work and law yeah I imagine that's what you guys do (laughs) that um that will distract you from these awful things that going going in on in your life. So therefore yeah. your support at work is absolutely fundamental yeah. to your emotional well-being, isn't it? Which has already definitely. taken an absolute colossal battering. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, Polly, and I'm so sorry to hear about your mum. Thank you. Yeah, it's been um a whirlwind mm. few months. You know, the the wedding wraps in there too, trying to pull that out and think of happy memories of that but obviously yeah. my mom's actually not well then either but we mm. didn't know um and just yeah the the shitstorm that has unraveled is just you can't make it up it's just one thing after another mm. and so is your your plans for treatment is that on hold at the moment or is that something that you are actively well pursuing? the you know then you also get yourself don't you like I got pregnant once so I don't need this treatment anymore and um the the, uh, the fertility doctor hasn't actually been in contact with me. I've actually only just had my first period since right. the ectopic. So the next stage of the treatment is I need to have a blood test to check the egg reserves. And then I'll go on to that uh, X-ray, which is supposedly not pleasant. The HSD. Yeah. 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 Um, but because I've literally just had my first period since then, I was also at my parents' house. I wasn't in, in London where I live so I didn't go to the hospital to have the blood test that I need to have so everything is just stalled and you know it's now trying to decide if I could even cope or manage with being pregnant and obviously the fear of losing a pregnancy whilst mm. also being there for my mum mm. you know I don't know if I can go through that and then That's how, have you um rather than just going down the medical route have you explored uh, alternative therapies or, or complementary therapies. Oh, I knew I could have put money on. I knew this was going to come up. Can't not. <laughs> have you I should have called it. Just... I should have called it at the beginning when you first you started talking not. about irregular periods because I was waiting yeah. for this moment. I have, Go on, to, I have to say that I had two months of acupuncture and that's the that's when I fell pregnant. So <laughs> maybe it does work. So what? <laughs> my, my my so my I had I had I had a incorrect diagnosis of polycystic ovaries because I never got periods when I was a kid I had like one and then I had another one about a year later and then and then I started having acupuncture and I fell pregnant shortly after like literally weeks after my first well I had a first period two weeks exactly after my first acupuncture session and I was pregnant within a month of that and mm. I just think at, be- at worst having a session of acupuncture is 
45 minutes of relaxation time to focus on yourself to get your thoughts together to just chill out and at best it can genuinely help you with your fertility issues and Mm. they say that one of the most um common like help something that can help the most is irregular periods yeah well my periods actually did also become regular over that time so It's definitely an avenue I, I, that you should definitely look into when you're ready. That's yeah. what then. That's all I did really enjoy it. I I didn't I I didn't know if I would enjoy acupuncture at all. Yeah, because it's I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because you don't even feel them. You just lie there and you can think about and it's just a time, a mindfulness time to just chill the fuck out. Yeah. And I imagine your totally job agree. is quite intense as well. Yeah. Mm, it is. I have to say, <laughs> I've been um converted I was always really cynical about it but um I don't think it's cured me having miscarriages but it definitely has sort of regulated things it's a bit like witchcraft like sometimes mm. I'll go and she'll say oh when are you due on and I'm like well oh, five days she's no that's too long we need you to come on tomorrow and I'll go home and come on tomorrow and I'm like <laughs> texting her like this is witchcraft <laughs> that is witchcraft <laughs> yeah She's like, we need to, we need to get your lining thicker, and then all of a sudden it's thicker. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, knowing, <laughs> but it is like Beck says. At worst, it's just some some chill out time. But I would recommend if you're going to have anyone listening, if you're going to have acupuncture, to look up a fertility specialist acupuncture old standard Take, look up Rachel Sheriff, the fertility suite. And in fact, you're in London, aren't you? Hannah Pern and Rachel Sheriff are our. Are our brilliant lady so give them a look up yeah. anyway this isn't an advertising podcast <laughs> no so Vicky I'm, I'm sorry Polly I'm so sorry for for everything that you're going through and um I really hope that your mum is is you know comfortable and that you're pulling together as a family and managing to spend some some really quality time and continue to do so over the next couple of months we'll be thinking of you Thank you. Yeah, we are. I haven't actually left her side. I have separation anxiety right now. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. And so, Vicky, you're, let's let's hand over to you and explain a bit about um, your story. Um, so Polly and I actually have very similar stories, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, because we get to speak to each other about it. But <laughs> Um, so mine starts in probably late 2019 um, when I went to go and get the pill from my usual pharmacy and uh, they they test your blood pressure and they said mine was slightly too high and also I was too overweight. So they sent me home and said, go and make an appointment with your doctor. And um, I remember getting home and just crying to my husband, who was my fiance at the time, and just saying, no, I don't want to put myself through that again. It's too embarrassing. So I just left it and thought maybe, you know, this is the right time to come off because we were supposed to be getting married um, a year later anyway. And I always knew, you know, that we wanted children. Um, fast forward a few months and hadn't had a period at all. Uh, I think it was three months. So I called my doctor and they said, oh, you, you just need to lose some weight um just go away and lose I think five percent of your weight and you know you'll be fine so I tried and tried nothing was helping me to lose weight um and I still was not having periods I think maybe I had one in about six or seven months Mm. um so I called again and was told the same thing and obviously COVID was in full swing at this time 
So they couldn't do blood tests or anything like that. And they just kept saying, go and lose weight. It's because of your weight. Um, even though I was saying, they, they, sorry, so I'm yeah. so sorry to interrupt. Okay. They, they, was, they were saying, go and lose weight. It's because of your weight, despite the fact they'd done no other blood tests. Yes. So obviously I was Googling like crazy. Um, and I had a feeling that I had PCOS because I had irregular um, periods, obviously, and I couldn't lose weight, which is one of the um, main symptoms, I suppose, of PCOS. And I, I just kept calling my doctor. And then eventually I spoke to um, someone who said, oh, you might have PCOS. Um, as soon as the hospitals open up again, we'll send you for blood tests. So I went and did that and it showed I had slightly elevated um, testosterone, which is one of the um, things to diagnose PCOS. And then I had a lovely internal scan, which was very fun. Um, <laughs> and, said, no sarcasm there. I think there's some sarcasm there. <laughs> um, and they said, oh, I mean, I still don't really understand the results of that, to be honest, because no, I find throughout this whole thing, no one actually tells me what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I think from that, they saw that I might have cysts on my ovaries, which is two out of the three diagnosis criteria for PCOS. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, it's three out of three because I had high testosterone, the, poly, the cyst on my ovaries and um, irregular periods. So despite that mine actually my diagnosis is still suspected PCOS but I'm just telling everyone I have PCOS because I think it's pretty obvious mm. um so me and my husband were supposed to get married in October 2020 but we postponed for COVID reasons as well um and we got married finally in November uh 2021 and um all throughout this time I think the longest time I went without a period was six months um so obviously I'm there being like oh my god I don't know what's happening how am I supposed to try to have a baby if I don't know when I'm ovulating and did you uh, during this six months um did you keep taking pregnancy tests yes you were yeah because that's what I found during, yeah. during the time of my regular periods was just the stress of like consistently thinking I was pregnant, consistently researching, oh, I feel like my ear is itchy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Googling like, oh, can an itchy ear be a symptom? Yeah. You know, and of course thing. it always can. Every symptom yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put in. Oh, you'll find someone in, in 2009 <laughs> in a forum on some sort of shitty website, there was one woman who said, you know, you find what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmation bias. And yeah, that for me was such a head fuck to the point where I was spending so much money. Like yeah, I, yes, I actually negative yesterday, but might be positive today. <laughs> I basically bulk bought loads of cheap ones from Amazon. Cause I was like, you know, I may as well just try it out every few days. I don't know when. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be, I don't know. And it's so heartening, isn't it? Seeing yeah. negative test after negative test after yeah. negative test. Cause you mm. do it. You you cut you you do it every day. It's not like you miss your period because your period never fucking comes. Exactly. Mm. So literally I was just every day was just like, oh, today might be the day. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just didn't come. And then I got really obsessed with um trying to track ovulation because obviously I'd never heard read, really read about any of this stuff beforehand. No one really tells you how to have a baby. Um, so I started doing all the ovulation tests, tracking the cervical mucus, doing all of that nice stuff. 
Um, sarcasm and, again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very sarcastic. In case no, <laughs> really, really like dry as well. So yeah, Um, and yeah, I I think I had a period maybe after the wedding, and then I had one in February this year, and um, then nothing and I remember I had very very sore breasts and I thought oh this is one of the key signs (laughs) and I tested and I was pregnant and I was like oh my god this is because I've been tracking everything to a T (laughs) like I've just been doing everything you're supposed to be doing and um, we told my parents and my husband's parents on Mother's Day this year and we got them a little card that they had to scratch out and it said oh like you're going to be grandparents and um on the very same day we found out my brother and his fiance um are having a baby too so we were like oh instant best friends they're going to be cousins and I I actually didn't know how far along I was because of how irregular my periods were so I wasn't I thought maybe I was about nine weeks and we went to Athens um, to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Um, And I'd been bleeding, but not a lot. And I'd spoken to the midwives and I hadn't had my first um, midwife appointment yet. And um, they were like, Oh, you know, small bleeding is very common. Um, It should be fine. And you know when I first saw that I was bleeding I burst out in tears because I just had a feeling something was wrong Mm. Um, but they kept saying it's fine it's fine Uh, it's very common don't worry about it so we went to Athens and um, we had a nice couple of days and then we were lying in bed watching a film and I just felt like all of this blood come out Um, and it just like it was very clotty and all of that stuff. So we um, I had to go to the hospital in Athens where barely anyone spoke English. Um, they wouldn't let my husband come in with me. And yeah, they said. Um, <laughs> sorry, they said, um, yeah, you've had a miscarriage and it, they did an internal scan and it came out while they were doing the scan. And um I don't think the whoever was doing it, I don't even know who was doing it. I don't know if she was a doctor or a nurse because, again, nobody told me what was happening. And she just said, oh, here it is. Um, it's just too small. And then she put it in a little tub. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then that was it. And she said, oh, you're still very young. Everything happens for a reason. And obviously... <laughs> That old chestnut. Yeah, I wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> a Greek, but I didn't. a Greek doctor, or Greek yeah. medical person. Shit. Yeah. So, at what point were you allowed to see? Or is this? So he wasn't allowed in with you because of COVID, or just because that's their policy? I don't actually. They didn't tell us again. I don't know why he wasn't allowed in, but obviously it was just their their general maternity ward I think so it was only women in there there were no men in there at all and I'm walking in there and there's women having their you know they've got the heart monitors strapped to their bellies and you can hear the their baby's heartbeats and all of that stuff um so they said oh do you want to go and speak to your husband I was like well obviously so (laughs) I walked out and I think he I mean we already knew it was going to happen so it wasn't you know a shock 
Um, and then they made me go back in and they said to me, your two options are you either have the surgery tomorrow, the DNC, or um, you stay overnight and you have the medication to, you know, complete the process. And I was like terrified at the thought of having a surgery in a different country, especially when yeah. I can't speak Greek. Um, so Did you I, say, I said, can I just go home? I did. I said, I, I want to go home. Me and my husband were looking at flights back to England the next day. And they said, no, you can't go home. These are your only two options. So I ended up saying to them, I'll just have the surgery then because I want it over and done with yeah. and I want to go home. <laughs> so they admitted me to the ward at, I think it was like four in the morning or something like that. And I stayed there without my husband, um, surrounded by other Greek women who couldn't speak English and they kept trying to speak to me. Aww. And I was going, I don't speak Greek, <laughs> please don't talk to me. Um, and I stayed there for two nights in the end, um, didn't have the DNC because um, it just basically resolved itself. And they did give me the medication after I left the hospital. Um, so, yeah we ended up flying home and I remember I bled through my trousers on the plane and oh, all of that stuff. So it was very, I guess, humiliating and also just scary because there was nobody there that I could speak to. So scary. Yeah. And they kept taking me for like in the internal scans. Um, the first one they did, they just turned to me and went, no, you have to stay another night. And I, I was just like too shocked and, I couldn't ask any questions. So yeah. I just went, okay, and stayed another night. And then they did more scans and then they went, okay, you can leave now. And yeah, we had to pay 75 euros for the pleasure of staying at their hospital. Um, and yeah, that was in April this year. So literally the day after our 10 year anniversary and yeah, I'm not pregnant yet. <laughs> That yeah. sounds horrendous. Vicky, that's can, awful. Awful. Can I just yeah. ask about your your brother? So have they had their baby? No. So their baby's due at the end of November, which okay. is two weeks after ours would have been due, which is also my birthday. <laughs> and how so, how are you feeling about that? How's your relationship with them? It's so tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it's been very tough Natalie knows all about this because I've been speaking to her but I basically just I don't speak to them because I just find it too hard um like they had um their baby shower this weekend but luckily I was in Berlin so I couldn't go not that I would have gone anyway mm. um but that's been one of the, probably the hardest things since then is because uh, there's like a I suppose there's a weird dynamic in the family where on the one hand there's me and then there's them who are super happy. And that's mm. just been, it's been a struggle. Mm. Has it been a struggle for like your parents or? Um, <laughs> I think so, but I mean, we're not the most talkative family in the world anyway. So we don't, we don't share feelings or anything like that, but I think it's been hard for them because obviously they're happy for my brother on the one hand, but then there's me who, I don't know. So it kind of feels like I'm the one that's always like bringing it down. Yeah. 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 I can see how you would feel like that. It's difficult, but what you need to remember is that we are capable of feeling more than one emotion at, at any one time. Yeah. So you must never feel, especially with your family and the people that you love is you must never feel like you're bringing things down because 
you know, as humans, as I said, we are capable of of these two feelings and one doesn't sort of counteract the other. So never yeah. feel like you're bringing anyone down. You do what you need to do and everyone else can just fit in their own feelings around you. You're not you're not in control of their feelings. Just do you and, and your husband. Yeah. And everyone else can do what they're going to do. Sounds like you put some good boundaries in place. Like I think it's good when you know what what you can cope with and what you can't cope with and, you know, stick to your guns, create a bit of distance. Um, Yeah. But then also in preparation for their baby arriving, um, obviously that's going to be another big trigger. That's going to be really tough. And what we always say to people is if you can prepare for these, these things that are, that are coming that you know are going to hit you like a ton of bricks hopefully they'll only hit you like half a ton of bricks Mm. yeah I mean like we have a group family chat for example and I've just muted it because um Mm. they would just you know randomly pop up baby scans with no warning and I found that really really difficult um so So I just amount of sensitivity there at the moment yeah which I mean do you feel like you could say I'm I you know I love you but I am really struggling and I think and I'm gonna have to take a wide berth I'm gonna have to take a step back from your story I'm so happy for you but I am so sad for me see I was going to do that and I had this whole message like drafted that I had read a thousand times but I actually um started going to counseling through petals and I raised this with the counselor and she said um, you don't need to explain to them how you're feeling. You should just do what you need to do to remove yourself from that situation if that's what you want. And they should just understand Like you don't need to explain anything. Um, so I haven't said anything. I just muted them. I guess you that's shouldn't it. have to explain yourself. No. But if it ultimately can make life a little bit easier and more comfortable for you, and also, we know that people don't know what to do for the best, don't we? We know that yeah. people say and do the wrong things, say and do nothing, and are ultimately pretty darn useless. And But they don't learn how to manage these situations unless they are told. But if you're not in the right space to do that yourself, then absolutely you shouldn't be doing it. But I I would hope yeah. that not everyone would sort of put up and shut up do you know what yeah. I mean? I hope that some people would, if they've got the strength to at the time, to um to have those conversations because they're tricky yeah. right there and then, but in the long term, they can make life easier. Yeah, I agree. And I think while while you shouldn't have to say these things, and no, you shouldn't have to, like sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes in order to stop receiving the uh, in order to unmute your family group, right? You could you could explain to your to your brother that it's really painful to see a scan photo and then the scan photos won't come. So it's a, like a self-preservation from a different angle. Oh, mm. do you know what you could do? There's a really good book out there that they could read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also a podcast episode. Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christmas present. Bold bye. <laughs> we, um, we also did a podcast episode back in series two or three, I think. I'll share it in the link below um, to the well not you know what I mean in the show notes and um it's an episode for family and friends so what we would want them to know so that we don't have to people like yourself don't have to tell them you can just get them to listen to this and um, hopefully they can have a bit of a better understanding Mm. yeah I mean I think what I probably did was 
I told my mum how I was feeling in the hopes that she would pass that message along because I just didn't want great to have, at that. <laughs> I just didn't want to have those conversations, but I don't think that happens. So <laughs> I had to tell some friends the other day. Did you? Yeah. And I felt quite good for it, to be honest. Mm. Um quite there was few, Yeah. And you know, you know, I would normally say how I feel. So I thought I'm gonna say how I feel about this. And also it's only gonna happen over and over again. I, mm. I appreciate I'm a very tough crowd right now. Like I could be set off in an instant and I get that, but I do not need to be told to definitely use ovulation sticks because it works first time or yeah. uh definitely pay for an early pregnancy scan because it's lovely when you see the heartbeat yeah I don't need that advice any of that shit no this has been a very sarcastic (laughs) podcast I love it (laughs) um and Vicky how is your cycle now just before Um, I go down the acupuncture route again (laughs) (laughs) so um my period came back six weeks after the miscarriage and then I seemed to have a period every six weeks after that so that was obviously a good surprise, I guess. Um, but I don't know, this cycle, I'm I'm on day, I think, 29 at the moment. I have no idea what's happening. I feel like it's it's been slowly getting longer and longer. So by a couple of days each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this cycle, I just have no idea what's going on. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, but on the acupuncture front, <laughs> a friend of mine was saying to me the other day um, that she has used acupuncture for various other things, not for fertility. And it is something that I have been thinking about because Polly's spoken about it before. Um, I just don't know if I'm there yet to because I sometimes I get very um resentful of the fact that it's always the woman who has to do all of this stuff and just to add another thing to my list of things that I need to do Mm. because I'm already on like medication for the PCOS I'm taking like um inositol um all these other vitamins it's like nine tablets a day it's and they're massive as well um I'm just like I don't know if I want to add one more thing that you I feel like, you felt like up. that didn't you Laura like yeah what I have to do fucking blah, 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 blah. yeah you sort of just get resentful and, and it still annoys me that people can just fall pregnant and have a fucking baby honestly it yeah. drives me insane I'll never get over it because yeah it's just such a such a chore when you live in this world and you have to jump through all of these hoops and other people don't Mm. I, I get resentful of the people who fall pregnant but then don't even consider having a, mis- a miscarriage as an option I you know yeah. I, when I when I found out I was pregnant I wasn't even my first emotion wasn't even happiness I was actually I just knew that I was going to have a miscarriage after my wedding and I will forever regret not enjoying my wedding because I had a miscarriage following my wedding and that's all I could think about and I don't you know I, sh- I shouldn't have leapt to that negative mindset but I did and that's where I was that so when naivety. people fall pregnant yeah and they're just blissfully on their journey telling everybody and I just think why couldn't that's the bit I'm jealous of why couldn't I have had that mindset especially when they're like oh we weren't even trying and you're like Ugh, go yeah. away <laughs> the bit that annoyed me is like when people make out on, on and you see this on social media like it's some sort of um like they're brilliant at it like it's something other than fucking luck like mm. they're 
oh well yeah it's first time and apparently I have excellent and he has excellent and and I'm like fuck off like he's got super sperm you feel make him feel like shit with your whole oh Steve was hoping it would take longer wink wink (laughs) it's like oh I hate I hate that the whole people and it's not their fault I know it's not their fault but people that post so naively and that's one of the challenging emotions that you have to deal with when when you're stuck in this and other people are just you know Mm. getting what you want is that feeling inferior feeling like if you don't have a baby you're not a real woman or you you don't have a real place in society Mm. and all of those really challenging emotions and this is why I think as well that you know sharing stories especially in the working environment educates it educates everyone so you know when I got pregnant you know naturally I had no idea about infertility I really didn't and I look back on that and think gosh I was very very naive and I probably would have been insensitive to other people without realizing it yeah but I I think we've all done it don't feel bad we have all done it but but now I know and you know the infertility community is massive and it's filled with with so many different stories but all very with a common theme Mm. and um and educating workplaces so that they can better support employees that are going through this. Because as you say, Bex, you know, you're, you spend so much of your time at work and your fertile years are when you're progressing your careers yeah. that um, the people that have never been through it, they don't know what they don't know. So you kind of no. need to forge the way. And I know a lot of this, you know, what we've talked about today, are very personal stories, but, you know, having the confidence um, to, to share with other people I think gives other people the confidence to share their own stories. And then there is just, you know, everything just gets a little bit better. Amen. When we share, when we share our stories, we pave the way for others to do. We give permission for others to do. Meghan Markle said that by sharing your story, you give permission to others to do the same. And it is a really brave thing to do. So thank you three so much. Um, And we're working on our corporate stuff as we speak about (gasps) companies and offering workshops and help and guidance and things to to help women come back to work and to help colleagues treat them sensitively and to help open the dialogue let's open the fucking dialogue (laughs) people don't feel so lost and alone in this experience in as we said the place where they are most often yeah Mm. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, ladies. It's been lovely chatting to you. Thank Thanks for having us. And we wish you so much, so much luck with the future, all of you. And uh, please keep in touch and let us know how you're getting on. Try acupuncture. Please, <laughs> please, both of you, all of you, because it's fucking beneficial. I might try it. <laughs> I, I want a chill out session. Give um, <laughs> it a go. But but seriously, uh, it there's it's worth I yeah. I don't need we to. We know say. she loves it. We know. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh dear. Thank yeah, you well, so much, girls. Keep in touch. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck with your your journeys going forward. Thanks. All right. Take care. All the best. Bye. Bye, ladies. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us, and let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Bye.